being relatable is one of the highest compliments you can give today. But is that a good thing? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers with special returning guest, Kelia Clarkson. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, people-pleasing contrarian, and with me as always is my aggravatingly authentic co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and um, <laughs> these are less like, what, now I'm just gonna give whole novels and it's gonna write memoirs <laughs> when I do my fourth <laughs> description. <laughs> when I was a little boy. Uh, uh, I also so, like how you're, you're, it gets slower. You're, you're talking about yourself every time to try to- Yeah, what. I'll say despiser of relatable content. Ooh, nice. Okay. Well, that doesn't roll off the tongue, but it is descriptive. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, yes. Well, and also with us today is a very special returning guest. She is a writer, actress, filmmaker, and podcast host who has written for Evie Magazine, founded both the women's online magazine Wallflower Journal, which she also manages and writes for, and the Dear Wallflower Podcast, which she also co-hosts. She has starred in multiple shows and movies, including The Tonight Show, The Good Place, New Amsterdam, the Sean Baker produced Beating the Shift, the Nathan Clarkson produced and directed Miracle on Highway 34, and her own upcoming original film, Leading Lady. And because Nathan complains when I don't mention it, she is also married to our very own Nathan Clarkson. Well, nobody's perfect. Which is the most, uh, the most important piece of Killian's biography. <laughs> of course, obviously. Um, she the is biggest the biggest accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She is the cool, the calm, the collected Kelia Clarkson. Kelia, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It is a treat to be back. Uh, we, we, we like to darn right it is. <laughs> we like to think so, or at least we like our guests to say so. They don't. Um, well, today we are asking if being relatable is overrated. But first, Nathan, if people enjoy this podcast and want to find more great conversations and engage more with fellow overthinkers, where can they go? They can go to theoverthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and any upcoming events, which we do have very shortly, Ooh. November 17th at the Hepsiba House here in New York City. We have a mixer and an artist showcase where you get to meet other overthinkers like yourself. So I don't care where you are, buy a plane ticket, buy a cab, get up here. We're going to have a blast. We want to see you there. So check out the uh, event uh, RSVP link on both our um, group and on our page. You can also go to, as previously mentioned, our group on Facebook is a private group called the Overthinkers, where 10,000 plus members, people who like the things you like and thinking about things deeply are waiting to share memes, laugh, have fun and think deeply. So head on over, we want you to be a part of it. And if you do enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a review and share with a friend. Awesome. That's well, that's well, well done. Well, that's... after a hundred episodes, I should have <laughs> <it> down, right? <laughs> um, all right. Well, everybody ready to get started? Let's do it. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So being relatable is one of our culture's greatest currencies right now. Whether it's influencers, actors, politicians, or fictional characters, one of the highest compliments we can give for someone or something is to be relatable. And yet the word relatable is actually a very modern invention. 
According to the New York Times piece, Why Do We Obsess Over What's Relatable? The word relatable first rode to prominence in game shows in the 1970s, where producers specifically tried to hire contestants on the show who reminded them most of the people who would be watching the show of themselves, aka people they found relatable. From there, Marketing, politicians, influencers, entertainment, and BuzzFeed quizzes alike have made relatability one of their primary tools to drive audience engagement, rightly believing that if people uh, leave the people they're voting for or watching are just like them, they'll be more likely to see them positively. Some people, like novelist and creative writing teacher Charmaine Craig in the piece The Problem with Only Liking Things We Find Relatable, think this is a bad thing because it narrows our imagination to not engage with things and people that are different from us. Others, like Darius Thompson, writing The Power of Relatability, argues that the relatability is as old as storytelling itself, with Shakespeare and Oscar Wilde choosing to make characters relatable to their audience as part of her staying appeal. So, Kelia, why do you think our culture puts such a premium on relatability? And why is this potentially harmful? So, I think when we immediately, you know, think of relatability, it doesn't necessarily come off as a bad thing. It's like, well, why would I not look for people that are like me and I can relate to, I, that, that I can identify with, that I feel understand what I'm going through. Why mm. is that a bad thing? And I think where we start to get into difficult territory is the kind of relatability that we are seeking is not necessarily someone that you can identify with, but will also inspire you to be a better version of yourself. I mm. think what we're really looking for, or at least our culture typically looks for with relatable people or relatable influencers is, oh, well, if they're like that, then I'm fine. I'm good. I don't need to do anything. Mm. I don't need to improve. I don't need to try for you know a, a new level of success in, in whatever thing that I'm trying to pursue. And I think that's where it becomes potentially, not potentially, very harmful is when it, these relatable figures kind of enable us to just stick with what we've already been doing. Hmm. So this whole conversation is one that kind of, I'm excited to do on the podcast because it's one that both you and I, Joseph, have had and me and Keely have had very many times in our private lives. It's this, you know, and it, it's usually spurred by flipping through TikTok yeah. or reading articles, you know, by BuzzFeed or, or what advice or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, or, you know, Vogue, a lot, relatability, like you pointed out, is the currency today. Mm. And it's being used and uh, for the further, furtherment, furthering, <laughs> furthering <laughs> of people's own personal brands and such. Yeah. And you see it in commercials. And but like I referenced earlier, a lot of people, a lot of millennials, Gen Z, it seems to be almost equal to like um, a, a measure of goodness, like a, a, mm. it's an ethical positive. So if you're yeah. relatable, that equals good. If you mm. if you pr present that kind of demeanor and that facade, um, ironically enough, if you present relatably, you are accepted into, well, that's a good person. And like Kelia pointed out, which I really think is true a lot of this comes back to why do we want people to be so relatable to right. us? You know, that's an interesting thing to ask about ourselves. Now, usually it's on why are people being relatable, but I want to kind of explore why are we so desirous of seeing and connecting and only engaging with or approving of people who are relatable. Yeah. And you see it with stars and stuff. You know, the thing that comes to mind is like Jennifer Lawrence a few years ago, 
she obviously is an immensely talented actress yeah. oscar winning amazing really like her performances but one of the things that really put her over the edge of celebrity was her interviews in which she would present or, or display this very relatable kind of aesthetic. And she would yeah. talk about bodily functions and kind of scatological, scatological humor. She would talk about, well, I don't diet. I've never worked out in my life. I just eat pizza all the time. And all <laughs> of a sudden you see all these articles about her. Isn't she so quote, relatable? She's just like us. She's just like me yeah. and so the same thing is present on like TikTok now which I think yeah. has kind of created its own kind of culture and I and I noticed this in uh happening a lot with kind of millennial things where they would show a video of someone who's like you know I should be out there working or something but I lied to my boss and I'm sick sick day and I should be dieting exercising but I ordered myself a pizza for breakfast and I should be reading books and better and furthering my mind and but, you know, instead I just went and binge watched, you know, a whole season of X. And yeah. so it's like you have all, and it's supposed to be very funny and people laugh and all the comments are, oh my gosh, that's so me. Right. And so that's really interesting. Yeah. Fat, not even fat. It's like one of the main things I see on TikTok is this relatable, this quote relatability content. Yeah. And so the thing I keep on asking is why are people so engaged and excited or why do we want it so badly? And yeah. what really took this, that uh, started this conversation was there was uh, a TikToker a yes. woman, who yeah. um, started making TikToks that, how should I say, are unrelatable. <laughs> and they weren't mean, they weren't bad, they weren't political, or they weren't calling people out. She was simply taking videos of her life. And these videos were her cooking really amazing meals. These videos were her traveling to really beautiful places. Mm -hmm. These videos were her dressing in, in, in outfits that many of us don't have. These videos were her getting up and working out at like 5 a.m. and living the life that all of us, most of us are not. <laughs> and so, you know, and we would think, I guess, on the first blush, well, okay, so this woman's very driven and, and accomplished or cool. That's very cool. Yeah. But interestingly enough, when you go to the comments section, yeah. All you saw were just ruthlessly mean comments. Yeah. And one of the things that was levied in many of the comments is ruthlessly mean comments, which I won't repeat, was you are so unrelatable. And it was as if, you know, the meanest thing they could possibly think to say was you're unrelatable, as if it was a sin. It was a moral um, judgment that she wasn't relatable, which means she was a bad person. Mm. And that really got Keely and I thinking, why, what is this? And yeah. I think Keely hit on the head when I think a lot of people feel insecure about their accomplishments, their body, their intelligence, their whatever it might be. We all have these insecurities. Yeah. I mean, not me, but most people <laughs> have these insecurities. And when we see people who, who are doing things better than us. You know, there's, yep. we had Josh on a while ago, Josh Murray, who is a yep. fitness expert. I've known Josh yep. for years and Josh posts pictures of his abs. Holy six pack. <laughs> I don't have abs. And I, <laughs> so I will see Josh's picture and irrationally say, Josh is a bad person. <laughs> Josh is not a bad person. He's a very good person. He's a very good friend, but I have that instinct, right? To see something that I don't have that he has worked very hard for and I have not. And yep. then, and then, you know, that, well, he shouldn't have, I should have that. And you have that frustration, but it has nothing to do with Josh. It has something to do with me. Yeah. It, yeah. it underlines something true about me and that's uncomfortable, right? 
And so I think really where this comes from is we rather watch people who allow us to justify our mediocrity hmm. than, than have to engage with or be exposed to people who underline and show us, even if they're not doing it explicitly, all the places that we are coming short. Yeah, yeah. I think another thing is it doesn't just draw our attention to who we are not, like seeing these people mm -hmm. that are doing things that we wish we had. It doesn't just draw attention to who are, we are not. It draws our attention to the fact that it was possible and we didn't do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there are, you know, some things where it's like, well, this person was very, you know, privileged in this way. And sure. no, it wouldn't have been possible for me to do that because I couldn't have afforded that school, you know, things like that. But for the most part, like getting up and working out, deciding to do that, it's within most people's mm. um, ability. Reading a book, eating a better yeah. meal. Yeah, yeah. all yeah. of these things. And yeah. So it just highlights the fact that, oh, I just didn't choose to do this thing. But <laughs> this person is choosing to do every day. Yeah. I always, whenever I see, I joke with my friend that when I see Josh's picture of abs, well, I could do it if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's, so that's really fascinating. I think that there's, there's a bunch of stuff going on here. And I think that, you guys have hit on a couple of things that are really fascinating to me. One is, you're right. It's not only that we like people who are like us. It's, um, and that's 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 something, and that's one thing you can kind of, because like, you can say, okay, we like people, you know, who are like us because, you know, C.S. Lewis talks about, you know, I think it's in a weight of glory, the fact that everything beautiful is um, better when it's shared, you know, mm -hmm. and everything painful is less painful when it's shared. And so, of course, we like to have people who have enough shared values and interests that we can share experiences with them. Of course. And so yeah. that makes total sense. Um, the thing is, but you're right. And there's no, what was that? I think, why do we like people who are similar to us? Um, Psychology Today piece talks on that. Also, it makes sense that people who are um, like us, we would consider to be more trustworthy. Because mm -hmm. if we had, there's, you know, Friedrich Hayek talks about the difference between scientific knowledge and local knowledge. And if somebody has um, has shared something with us, then we say, ah, they're knowledgeable of something I'm knowledgeable about. Therefore, they're trustworthy because yeah. I've also experienced the thing they're experienced. Therefore, they're trustworthy. So yeah. trustworthiness and likability makes sense. But you're right. The pathology that seems to be going on today is that we associate it with virtue. Yeah. yeah. It's like, if you're a good person, if you're relatable, because there's no reason for us to suspect that we're good people, that people <laughs> are like us, that they must be good. And yet we do assume that. And I think that you hit on a really fascinating thing, which is that, um, and I think you hit on the nail on the head because, well, if they're good and they're not like us, then there's something wrong with me for not okay. doing that. It's like, because yeah. yeah, I, they they work out more than me. They are healthy more than me. They're doing all these things. And it can kill, kill you. It's like, it's one thing to say, well, you know, they, they had that because they have advantages that I don't have. Yeah. But that wouldn't bother us so much. But if in fact, it's that, oh, I could do this and I'm not. It exposes where I'm, where I'm lacking. <clears throat> and there is this thing called, you know, um, and I remember reading this in an interview with Margot Robbie years back. She talked about the fact that, you know, she goes to America and she becomes a movie star whenever she goes home to be, in uh, Australia, she has to be really self-deprecating because of what she called tall poppy syndrome. That anybody in Australia, oh. if you excel too much, then they start to reject you because again, you're 
you you're you're better than the tribe. It's like they're like, oh, you oh. think you're so much better than us. And she says that's that's less so in America. She she goes back home that that's that's more in Australia where she's where she is. And I think that that's an interesting phenomenon. I think, and we'll you know I'll, I'll shut up here in a moment. But one of the things I think is fascinating is that this happened after the postmodern era happened. You know, we're later. We're always later. ragging on postmodernity. We're man. always ragging, but really just as a sociological phenomenon, because relatability happens in the 1970s and 80s, where everybody, because everybody used to do what they're doing now, but with people that they knew personally. So, you know, we talk about tribalism, where your tribe used yeah. to be, you know, your extended family, your village, your family, your your church, your things. And now we're all in cities and disconnected from everybody. We're still looking for tribes and the tribe is trustworthy and the tribe is, and most importantly, the tribe is like us. And of course, people like us are good. One of us, one of us, one of us. Well, I was also gonna add, I think there's this phenomenon that came with the, the rise of social media that I don't even know that was present even maybe 10, 15 years ago. Sure. And so we always kind of knew that celebrities were quote better than us. They're more beautiful than us. They're right. richer than us. They, they're more famous and, and, you know, more important than us. So we could kind of put them in, in this, this weird out there ah. category. Right. Okay, and yeah. so, yeah. all right. So the celebrities exist, but everyone I know, I can kind of compare myself to compare yes. and contrast to, you know, the guy next door, the girl next door, whoever, you know, work at church, whatever it is. And, and you could, kind of say, all right, so I'm, I'm close enough and give yourself enough of a, um, you know, a, a metric that was realistic, right? And uh -huh. I can, I'm close enough to that. Now with TikTok, with Instagram, with Facebook, you are being exposed to not just celebrities anymore. You're being exposed to thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people who are not celebrities, who are not rich, who are not just like you. And you're seeing all of them and comparing yourselves to so many more, yeah. infinitesimally amount more of people than we used to. Uh, so it's not just in our immediate tribe we're comparing and contrasting. We're now comparing ourselves to everyone in culture. So now I come across a guy um, online on TikTok who's a nobody, yet he has abs, yet he is richer <laughs> than me, yet he read five books this month, yet he has more of whatever I want from trying to get and so now I just, I can't remove him into the, yeah, he's just a celebrity, got lucky category. Yeah. He is in my category and I'm failing and at whatever thing I'm looking at. But this is interesting. And Keely, I'm curious because this is something that Joseph and I can't really speak to. Mm. And you run a magazine and a podcast for particularly women. And yeah. so you know... Uh, a little more about what women face today in culture and the pressures. You know, there's a lot, been a lot of articles and and uh, videos and, and just cultural talk around the concept of unrealistic body standards and uh, the expectations women face and how you know yeah. women have to try harder. And so I I, I actually empathize with that and, and can understand how difficult that would be. Um, you know, not not totally because I will say you know. I do watch Marvel movies and th there's some pretty unrealistic <laughs> body standards for women too. But um, I'm, I'm joking everyone. I know that it's, it, it is particularly um, cruel that this culture on women and can be very difficult I'd imagine to navigate and, yeah. uh, and find those spaces. What are the things that you think that are drawing a, a women to particularly because you that's the audience that you have cultivated and speak to. Yeah. What are drawing women to the idea of relatability? Could it have to do with the culture and what they have to face and their insecurities as a result of things like that. So what would it be 
according to your, in your mind, as a woman who lives in this world, mm. what is the draw of relatability? Well, I would say I do see relatability as being more important to women than I have seen mm. it be to men. And I mm. think, I think that is because, you know, women do value community. They do value um, safety and security in a way that is, you know, that they find it through their community, through people that are like them. But yeah, I do think there have been many, many decades where women have been held to very unrealistic standards that have made them feel less than. And so I think the relatability, the relatability, like obsession, I guess, um, is, I would say probably an overreaction to all of those years of incredibly photoshopped, just yeah insane, you know, magazine covers and pictures of celebrities and all these, well, you know, this is how women should look. This is what a woman looks like. You know, I grew up with, well, I, I feel like I don't have enough of a feminine body, you know? Mm. And, um, and so I think this is probably an overreaction. Mm. And I think it's, I, I would say it's an overreaction in specifically a very feminine way, which is mm. like, I want to find people that will make me feel valuable and make me feel better about myself and make me feel like I am perfect just the way I am, if mm. that makes sense. And we've heard that phrase before throughout perfect culture. You are you perfect are. just yeah. the way you are, yeah. which well, I have. Take a lot of issue with. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I, th I think you make a, you make a couple of excellent points that I want to that I, I want to highlight. One is um, that you're right. You know, we can talk about sort of like you know the problems with relatability all we want, but it is also true that the suspicion, and this is we can talk about this, the suspicion that unrelatability um, is a signal for inauthenticity is um, not without merit because yeah. of the, you know, I mean, you're, we're talking about the female experience here, particularly because it's like, oh, this person who I thought was so much better than me actually was Photoshopped. And, yeah, that, that's true. That's true. And so the whole thing of the gut, re the knee jerk reaction of, oh, this person is, um, is, is better than me. Therefore, they're probably hiding something. They're probably lying. Yeah. They're probably is, you know, you might, you, you call it an overcorrection and I think I would agree with you, but it's not a stupid one. It's born out of experience. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's only natural to look for people who you do, you, you do identify with. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a bad thing to look for. Right. I think it's what the things that we are looking to identify with. Ah, Oh, that's know? so good. Yeah. What do you identify with? Do you identify with your flaws and your weaknesses and things that are maybe bad about you? Like actually, like right. actually bad about you, or are you identifying with things that are actually good about you or neutral? That's an excellent point. Well, yeah. and this leads, Joseph, you you brilliantly brought up the-, the... Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say, but thank you. <laughs> but you brought up the an important distinction here because- I want to rag on the relatability of session, of course. I think it actually does damage us. I think it brings us to a place where we're just allowing and justifying all of our worst proclivities. Um, but on the other hand, on the other side of that, I think there is something to be say, to said for authenticity. Yes. And I think you're right in, in juxtaposing those in a way. The authenticity is 
maybe not the same thing as relatability mm. and that the that one is good um that, that, that there's good and a bad here right we don't just have to go all right well in that case we're only ever going to have pictures of models uh, <laughs> you know whatever and and rich billionaires so it's like all right well that's not very helpful either i think the authenticity is a beautiful and good thing yeah and i think that when you are authentic you are able to both talk about your strengths openly and hopefully that'll inspire people to to reach your level or you'll inspire people to try harder in the way that they that you maybe you have succeeded in while at the same time admitting your human mortality and, yes. and reality that yes i have excelled in this but it was also through a lot of failure you yeah. know or yes you know this is something i'm really good at but it's also come with its own set of difficulties yeah. and yeah. so i think the authenticity offers us something that relatability doesn't Relatability yeah. is essentially kind of just a, it's another facade. Um, yeah. It's the other side of a coin of the same thing, which is just fake. Right, relatability is, uh, is on the other side of the coin of airbrushed models on magazines. Right, yes. They're both fake. But I think the authenticity allows us to say, Yes, we can be better and try harder, but also here's the reality of, uh, of my life and my human experience. Well, yeah. We always hear and see that, I mean, you, everybody remember, knows the cringy politicians who try to like have an accent in the place <laughs> that they're, yeah. that, 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 where, they're, where they're stumping or, yes. you know, or the, I mean, like, you know, my, I grew up with my mom watching Food Network and, you know, we would joke about every single episode of Rachel Ray, she had to remind us that she couldn't bake. Like, it, <laughs> like, see, I have flaws too. Like, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and that's that's just as dishonest as trying to pretend that you don't have any flaws. Yeah. So it's yeah. It's, it's both so dishonest so, and neither are helpful. So relatability. So relatability. Two 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 weaknesses we talked about the relatability thing um, is one is that it it prevents us from growing. It prevents us from growing because we yes. say, yeah. okay, if if being if my flaws are a virtue then not only am I going to not have motivation to grow myself, but I'm going to punish other people from growing. And then the second thing is we've talked about is it um, causes dishonesty and inauthenticity. Yeah. Um, it causes us to create a new facade, as you said, Nathan. Um, Helia asks, um, what other problems do you think it potentially might have? Are there any other problems? And what would you think, would you suggest people cultivate instead to get the same things they're trying to get from relatability um, without some of the drawbacks? Well, yeah, so I think, so we talked about the negative, the negative impacts, which is of course, yes, it enables you, because I don't think it just prevents you from growing. I think it enables bad behavior. Mm. It, it makes bad behavior look like you guys have been saying, virtuous, trustworthy. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I think it's both glorifies bad behavior prevents yeah. and enables for sure. But I think, um, I, again, I don't think it's bad to pursue and, and find people that you do identify with. So yes, I would yes. say the other side of that is, yeah, finding people that are authentic and you connect with their story. You hmm. connect with maybe something that they faced, something that they've been through that, their story, the way that they overcame these obstacles mm. inspires you to do the same thing for yourself. If someone, you know, 
uh, we use working out a lot. I guess it's. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> this I, know, I don't want to like that again. Yes. But <laughs> reading books. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Education. Reading, yeah, yes. We have yeah. we're, we have very noodly armed people for people who use the workout metaphor a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Arms like noodles. No, but but you know if if again, I'll just go with the workout thing. It's just the easiest thing. But if, you know, if you're someone who has always hated working out, I've always hated working out Hmm. and you, you find someone else that, yeah, I I am not an athletic person. You know, this is just not because what I don't find relatable is someone that was always in, you know, soccer or, or always, you know, enjoying gym. Hmm. That is you and I are not the same (laughs) and that's okay. (laughs) But what is inspiring to me is the people that will say, yeah, you know, I really, I, I'm not a working out person, mm. but I do it because of A, B, C, and D. And, and these are my reasons. And th- this mm. is I what I decided. Yeah, I figured out something that worked for me and decided, no, I will work out because of this or for this reason. And so I think that is where relatability or authenticity mm. is what we should really should be calling it is a positive thing is finding someone who because you connect with them, you are able to see why you ought to grow and see the way that you ought to go about that. It's, it's interesting. I think, you know, one, one of the reasons we want relatable content is because we don't want to feel insecure, right? That, yeah. That's the easy non-academic yeah. way to say it. Yeah. We don't like feeling insecure. Yeah. And so we drift towards people, engage with people who don't make us feel insecure. Yeah. The problem with that is they won't, they won't ever get better. Right. And so what I'd say is as you're watching TikTok or watching movies or whatever it might be, and you start feeling that little twinge, right? When you come across somebody who reads more books <laughs> or works out more or has more money, whatever it might be. Yes, you know, you can look towards the excuses. Well, they this, that, they, sure. they got this. Sure, that, that's fine. Um, and, but you, you feel that little twinge of insecurity. What, what I would do is rather than start analyzing them and their life, yeah. Hmm, yeah. why did I feel insecure here? And I think oftentimes right within our insecurity is a little nugget of truth. There's something to be dug up there that can actually inform us about how to live a better life. Hmm. So if you meet someone and they're like, I read a thousand books last week, and that makes you feel insecure because you read no books last week. Right. Rather than going, oh, what a egghead, what a, what blah, blah, blah. You know, he he doesn't have a whatever. Say, why does that make me feel insecure? Maybe. Hmm down i'm someone who wants to read more i want Mm. to learn more yeah and if i just um allow my insecurity to dismiss this i'm not actually going to become better maybe i can't read a thousand books but what i can do is i can go that's really that's interesting that he did that that's his story i'm going to read more or whatever it might be but i think a lot of our reaction to non-relatable content is we just don't want to feel insecure because it's uncomfortable and usually it comes with an ought right Yeah. yeah so if someone is doing something more than us or better than us, it comes with a, I ought to do that. Yeah. We had started to see oughts as bad. You made me feel mm. like I should be Xing more. I should be doing something more. And yeah, don't take on too much. Of course, don't get overwhelmed. Right. But at the same time, oughts are good. Oughts help us live better lives, do mm. better things, become better people. Yeah. And so maybe pay attention to that insecurity because just with inside it, you might find the ought that will change your life for the better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good, uh, I really like both of the things you said. Um, there's just compliments all around. Um, I think that, you know, so with, with Keely, I think is, is excellent. You kind of pointed out that, um, 
is is relatability is not a bad thing, but relate, you know, but you have to find relatability that doesn't that doesn't that inspires you. I think that, you know, I think that um, a lot of times when people are, you know, the 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 it, a lot of times when people are um, see somebody who's not uh, who's better than them in many ways, things has something that they want, mm. um, but it's not like them. One of the things that does is it doesn't give them a path to something better. Mm. It's like, okay, that person is so different from me and they have what I want. It, it doesn't give me a story or path to something better. Um, you know, I was, I, I watched, uh, remember years ago, I watched the movie Titanic and I remember thought it was a great, I thought it was a great movie. It's very controversial for some reason, but I thought it was a great movie, (laughs) but I recognized that I couldn't relate to the male character in there because you know, it's like, okay, yes, there's this beautiful thing about true love, but the way he gets true love is a way I would never be able to do it because it's a completely different personality type. So there Mm -hmm. is, and so if that's the only way to get love, then I will never have it. I remember having that kind of Mm -hmm. thought. And so it's like, so there is something important in finding people who have a story you can relate to that's still inspiring. So I think that's an excellent point, Amy Kelia. Um, And, and, and you're right, Nathan, we should, we should look inwards because the thing is, if there's a, an implicit question, you should always ask, why am I feeling this way? That person didn't make me feel this way. Why am I feeling this way? If it is, um, it, and it could be that you're feeling bad and you shouldn't. It's like, there's no reason that I should feel bad, you know, by this person um, doing this. But maybe it is should because it's a, um, it's a, a sign that you're not achieving your own goals. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's, that's a question. Is this something you actually aspire to or not? Um, and I think- Real quick, I want to throw something in there. This is interesting, this distinction, because I realize there are people who have accomplished great things that I don't feel any insecurity about. Let's yeah. say, you know, there's like a guy who is an amazing race car driver. <laughs> I don't feel any like yes. insecurity or jealousy because I don't want to race cars. That's cool that he does yeah. that. But typically, if you are feeling insecure about something great someone else did, it's because you actually want what yeah. they yeah. 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 So I'm not going to feel personal. Ins- yeah, yeah, I'm not going to feel insecure about the you know the figure skaters or you know whatever yeah. it is in the Olympics uh, or the gymnasts, you know, um, because that's not what I want. But yeah. I should go, huh? What does this person have that I want? And like you said, how do I go about getting that? Maybe it's not like they did, but yeah. I can go about figuring out a way that will. And yeah, and. <clears throat> and I think and I'll throw it back to you in a moment, Keely. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll say this one thing that's really helped me. And I'll say it's really helped me. Um, and you know, is, is, and I can't take credit for this and I'll just throw this out there to the patron saint of 30 year old white dudes, Jordan Peterson. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but is the two things is intellectual humility. And like you said, um, knowing what your goals are. Because he talks in, in the 12 Rules for Life, he talks about the fact that, you know, it's actually stupid to compare yourself to other people and make that your main comparison because you have no idea what they're actually like. Yeah. That's it's, so true. It's not just, it's not smart. It's stupid to compare yours, make your main comparison to other people because you don't know what they're actually like. And again, you talk about you know, the filters, everything like you don't know what these people are really like. It's just, you have to compare yourself to somebody, you know, in order to know what kind of making progress. And of course, as Christians, we would kind of say, okay, maybe compare yourself to Jesus as your ideal and you have your ideal. But when you're making progress, the main person you should be comparing yourself to is yourself. 
Yeah. Your mm, yesterday self. Your yesterday. Am, I, am I better than I was yesterday? And what am I capable of doing today? And mm. that, so when you do that, when I have done that, the level of positive dopamine that I've gotten from self-improvement, when I've just been like, I am better than I was yesterday. Yesterday, Joseph could not have done that. Um, and that's a person I do know. I do know that guy. I do know what he's capable of, what he's not capable of. That day will never come when I do not strive to be better than I was yeah, yesterday. Better than I was an hour ago. Better than I was a minute ago. And um, and so that that is something, if, if you're looking for help in that, that, say like, you don't know enough to compare yourself to other people. You should compare yourself to some ideal, the thing you want, but it should be, what you want, and that's the, the other thing is that you're, we're all playing different games. We're not all in one hierarchy. We're like, we're all doing the same thing. It's like, I don't want to be a race car driver. I don't want to do this. You know, I'm, I'm going to be the best me that I possibly can. And in Christian terms, we would say we're a body. You know, again, we're not a hierarchy. We're a body. I'm not going to try to be the foot. I'm not going to try to be the hand. And even if you think that the person that you're comparing yourself to is the you that you're trying to be they're never going to be the actual you that you're supposed to be to make the world a better place. Well, and I'm going to throw it back yeah. to Kilia, but I, I wanted to offer that, say, one of the ways to conceptualize that is we're living different stories, right? Yes. It happens in acting all the yeah. time, right? Especially yeah. in artistic industries. I'm sure it happens in business and literally every industry, but I can only speak to mine. We're artists, so yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I'll see someone who's like me and yeah. who's, you know, generally speaking, and they will book a role that mm. I didn't get, or they'll be more successful or more popular or whatever it might be. Yeah. And that can make me very insecure, of course. But what I realize is they're telling a different story. Yeah. And rather than focusing on the story and be mad at them, um, that they're living and go, well, yeah, but my story is going to look different. And if that's yeah. okay, because mm. that, all of our stories do. And you also don't know what they did to get there, what they had to go through. And that's yeah. where authenticity comes in. A lot of times it gets better when you actually hear, oh, wow, I didn't know they had to go through all that to get that. And so that's where authenticity can bring comfort and some human um, awareness, even to someone who's doing something great. Yeah. But Keely, yeah. to wrap us up, as you, you know, speak out there to people who are struggling, as they, they look everywhere and all they see on TikTok is people who are better than them and doing things. And, it, and we're feeling insecurity as a result of that. We're seeing on TV, on social media, everywhere, yeah. all the things that make us feel less about ourselves. And I think as we've discussed, a lot of our proclivities are to go find out people, find people who are just as bad off as we are so we can justify our lives. How bad can I be? I'm just doing what comes naturally. So for you, what is the healthy middle? And mm. what, what is the place that you think is best to be rather than focusing on all the things you could never be or trying to use, you know, uh, people who aren't, who have all your same flaws to justify yeah. um, never becoming anything more. What is the yeah. practice from here on out? Well, so I would say it's really important to get a good sense of exactly who you are, exactly what you want out of life, exactly what your gifts are, what your goals are, mm. and go from there. Mm. And think about, okay, so I'm never going to be, you know, um, a top model, right? But what do I want out of life? And where am I hoping to be in a year or in five years? And it's kind of scary to think about like a year from now, five years from now, because you don't know what's going to happen, right? Mm. There's this element of, you know, life takes you in certain directions that you don't always see coming. But 
I, I would say it's important to challenge yourself to actually set goals and hold yourself to them in order to become a better you than you were yesterday, as Joseph was um, saying earlier. And so I would say find people that are also motivated to be moving forward in life, to surround yourself with and, um, you know, push you forward and, and also call your attention when you are reverting back to mm. two relatable um, uh, actions and behaviors, I guess. And uh, re- maybe rather than justifying them also, because that's what we want to do. We want to justify the relatability content. Uh-huh. Why yeah. I don't have to do something. Maybe acknowledge and be honest about where you are objectively. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than because our immediate, you know, there's a great Scrubs episode where the the lead character does something, and rather than acknowledging that he's done something destructive in his friend's life, he immediately goes and looks for justification. Yeah. Hey, this wasn't so bad, right? So be honest about where you yeah. are and your and your <laughs> predicament or your place. And then from there, you can move forward. Yeah, I guess be really, really authentic Mm. yourself about what your flaws are and where you are really, really lacking. Mm. Like, I have found that it actually helps me, you know, oddly enough, to journal the things that I really don't like about myself. Mm. And like, this isn't like a pity party. It's going and, and returning to that list and going, okay, have I made any progress on this thing that I don't know about myself that I always respond this way when, you know, someone I, I feel is, you know, is uh, starting a fight yeah. or something or, or, you know, that type of thing. So getting really, really familiar with what your flaws are and what your gifts are, mm-hmm. I think is a, a great way to get out of the relatable rut and start finding people that are authentic and are calling you to be a better self Mm. a better you it's awesome cool well thank you so much kelia for such an authentic um (laughs) and i must say relatable uh no (laughs) both it's so funny it's we we have a we have a little joke or a couple times ago we met up where it's just we realized that so many of the things that are compliments in other circles are just not compliments in our our but yes that was awesome great discussion um but uh now we are on to blesses and curses one of the most difficult parts of the show to put together but also a really fun one so um we're going to go around and show something we recommend talk about something we recommend uh, or uh want people to stay away from on this topic so um who wants to go first Julia, ladies first all right i'll go ahead um i'm gonna start with my curse and I, I feel bad cursing this movie because it's not like it's a bad movie. Um, we watched it recently and it's cute. And, you know, I like to see, it was like, yeah, it wasn't super standout rom-com, like to the point where I did have to go through like a few different steps on IMDb to find this movie. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that actor in that movie, you know, anyway, but, um, but it's called Set It Up. And oh, even, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's like a little rom-com in New York and, you know, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. two assistants that are just trying their hardest of, you know, very, very, um, like prominent people. And the reason I'll be cursing it for this episode specifically is in it, the girl is, you know, she's the ultimate, like relatable millennial, you know, she eats pizza and she's messy and she has soup on her sweater and, 
wears glasses and like, but they're oh cute. <laughs> you know, like. By the way, we're very against glasses yeah. on this yeah. <laughs> If you wear glasses, <laughs> those yeah, not for, walking. For, for people, yes, for people yes. just listening, which is the majority of people who just put on glasses. So. No, I'm sorry. My wife is obviously very bigoted towards people who wear glasses. <laughs> <laughs> you hit a guy with glasses. That's, that's well played. Anyway. Oh, but they're like they're askew and they're kooky glasses. I don't know. But anyway, my point is Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> I'm digging the grave. Yeah, you're fine. The kooky glasses are even a little bit. No, no, but we know you all everyone listening who's judging her, you all know the type. You know, it's the yes. thing where everyone's like, oh, they are very specifically trying to show how normal she is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like how how unglamorous. Not, like, yeah, exactly. How unglamorous she is. Although she wears sweatpants I, to work at like a Fortune 500 company. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and she and she misplaced this and whatever. So anyway, so that's the girl. And then the guy is like super put together. He's dating a model. He, Literally dating a model. He's actually dating a model. And he's, you know, he wears his suits and he has everything put together and he's, you know, cropped hair. And over the course of the movie, they of course fall in love because this yeah. is rom-com. And it's what we see is she stays her kind of kooky, disorganized, you know, uh, can't like she's, she's she's not. Yeah, I wouldn't say she's like a bad girl. She has dreams, but she doesn't chase them, you know? Yeah. I mean, she eventually does at the very end, but it's, but he falls for her before that. And so what I see is this guy that, you know, has a lot going for him. And he looks at this girl and goes, you know, you're kind of a mess, but I like you anyway. <laughs> Likes her enough, and, by the way, to break up with his model for his model girlfriend <laughs> because she's just too perfect. Well, she's rich and well spoken and kind. He'd rather go for the kind of jerk, schlubby girl who hasn't done anything to make herself no, the, better. The way that they justify it is he doesn't have anything to talk about with the model. Oh, right, right. That, right. That's how they justify. That's how they make her like a bad person. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. they're like, you know, they, they, they found a flaw in her. That so this is why I'm better than her is because I can have. I have one not flaw that she has. Yeah, 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 one, yeah. One, because models can't have conversations. Models <laughs> are <laughs> obviously stupid. And yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, um, yes, now you're blessed. So my bless is a TV show called Hacks on Ooh. HBO. And so it's basically, it's these, uh, it's this like older female comedian who's a, like, I guess, kind of, you know, losing her, some of her momentum in her career. And then it's this young millennial comedy writer who mm. just got, she, she just lost a huge job in LA. Mm. And so their manager puts them together and says, okay, she's going to write for you. And it seems like the odd pairing and, you know, over the course of the season, the, the two women end up have, having this love and this friendship, mm -hmm. you know, between um, themselves. And what I'll bless about it, it's, it's a really funny show. And the young girl is the most millennial relatable, you know, I hate myself girl. <laughs> Just like everything about me is terrible and I guess I won't change anything and I'm a mess, you know. Yeah, I deserve and, everything. <laughs> yeah, and I deserve a great job, you know. And and so what I really enjoyed about it though was over the course of the season, the older woman tells her, like, yeah, you are a mess. Yeah, you think this came easily to me? No, I tried. 
I fought for everything I have. You don't just Be get to better. you don't just get to tr- cry about it and and have everything handed to you because you wanted it. You have to be better. You have to work for what you want. And so we see this millennial girl constantly being challenged and saying, "Yeah, you're right. You are a mess. <laughs> Your life is not going well because you're a mess." Mm. So that's what I um, it's, liked it, about it. I really enjoy that it has a little more of an honesty about life yeah. to it. You know, like the the previous movie you mentioned, it was basically you can be a, a non-motivated, nice. subpar, um, you know, a mess of a person and you're still going to get the super rich, super handsome guy because right. he'll just like that about you. You will have to change. <laughs> you will have to be better. Right. That's that's the fantasy, right? Yeah. Hacks is a really brilliant show in that they show this girl who feels entitled to everything without feeling that she has to become nicer. So she's really yeah. And so she's pushed all of her friends away. She is, doesn't yeah. like working very much. So she kind of just phones everything in. She, and yet she complains the whole time about how, why don't I have any friends? And yeah. why am I not successful? And why am I losing opportunities? And then yeah. you have this older seasoned wives, obviously with their own flaws, uh, yeah. woman. Yeah. And I love this part. And you're, you're right. She comes in and basically, because she's actually experienced life. Yeah. And says, yeah. no. I don't care. You, you can think you're entitled to whatever. It, it takes work. It takes dedication. She doesn't allow her to yeah. live on the laurels of, yeah. um, uh, 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 what, what's the word we've been using? Relatability. Relatability. Yes. And that's not seen as like a good thing that she's related no. to. It's seen as something she's using to not better herself. And there's yeah. a great scene. Um, I started watching this on Kelia's um, suggestion. It's a great scene where the, the young millennial girl is trying to get a kind of throw a pity party. And she goes, do you know how hard it's been for me? And, um, you know, and by the way, it's not been that hard. Uh, (laughs) And the older comic turns around and goes, how hard it's been for you? And she goes through everything she's had to do to make it where she was. Right. And so she immediately brings reality check to, and so, yeah. She is constantly giving this girl reality checks. And that's what I want to give. Myself yeah. and everyone else yeah. in the entire generation. Reality yeah. checks. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, great show. Yeah. But, yeah. Cool. Well, good recommendation, Kelia. Um, not uh, definitely do not watch it if you are under the age of 18, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yes. Well, we'll strike not for the kids. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Nathan. Okay, uh, I'm going to bless and just kind of, and kind of blessing a whole library of work by an artist who just is, is one of the people who inspired me most um, growing up as an artist and even my theology and my and my um, my appreciation of uh, a lot of different things and just kind of one of those figures for me. And it's, it's the work of a guy named Rich Mullins and a few of you mm. out there. He was a, uh, a singer, a Christian singer in the 90s. Um, and, and what I love most about him was he combined the two things we're talking about today. So Rich was a, a very flawed human being mm. and he was very honest about his flaws. He dealt with a lot of, he dealt with addiction and depression and doubt and fear. And so uh, that was constantly coursing through his work. Aside from just, you know, the, the radio release songs we know, if you actually go listen to his other work that you haven't heard on the radio, you know, aside from Awesome God, you're going to find this, his work is filled with, what I call authenticity, which is he's being honest about the reality of himself, his fears, his failures, his his doubts, and and all the things he struggles with as a human. And so one is a young kid dealing with mental illness and and, and dealing with um, the realization of myself and my failures and my flaws. It was 
a really wonderful experience to have that understood. Mm. And, um, but two, the flip side of that is that you didn't stop there. I've heard a lot of, that's where a lot of artists stop. Well, I'm yeah. just, you know, oh, well, and bad and gross and oh, well. No, he didn't. All of his music is talking about his flaws in relation to a beautiful and perfect God mm. and how that, that and his desire for uh, goodness and wholeness and beauty. So he's honest about where he is and the struggles he faces. Um, yeah. But he says, but I'm reaching for something greater. I'm reaching for something better. And so that's what's so beautiful about his music and his work to me is it's not someone who uses quote relatability to justify never getting better. He instead uses the honesty of authenticity to be honest about where he is and he shares that with people and yet calls himself and then vicariously or, or, or a convert, uh, what's the word? And then also through his music, he calls us to mm. live better and more holy and more beautiful lives. Yeah. Um, and we can do that because he's authentic. So we go, yeah. yeah, I'm like you, Rich. I mess up and I fail and I fall and I'm watching you admit those things. So that allows me to, to accept myself in that. But I'm also watching you reach for more. So that allows me and inspires me to do the same. So I have to bless the work of Rich Mullins. It's absolutely beautiful. Okay, if you have to. I have to. He's one of the great Christian artists of our age. <laughs> oh, man, I miss artists like him. But yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say one of the place, uh, what, I'm, I'm going to quote a line. Um, uh, well, actually, I won't quote a line. Go listen to it. But the song that I'd say, read the lyrics even. Don't even listen to it. Just read the lyrics. It's called We Are Not As Strong As We Think We Are. One of the wow. most amazingly written songs or pieces of poetry or literary ever. So just go read the lyrics of, we are not as strong as we think we are. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, for my curse, I'm gonna curse TikTok. I know it's easy, but a lot of these, this, I'm gonna curse the hashtag relatable. Mm, uh, cool. The hashtag, so I'm cursing a hashtag. That might be a first on the show. Hashtag relatable yep. is a whole host of millions of videos now of people basically just justifying yeah. how um, not great they are yeah. and why that's okay. And then enabling everyone else to do the yeah. same. Yeah. I am tired of your hashtag relatability. If I see <laughs> one more time where you're trying to get me to laugh and like your life because you're refusing to do anything great or beautiful or good with it, I'm not going to. I don't think it's just, uh, you know, not funny. I think it's harmful and even evil. <laughs> wow. Um, we okay. So everyone, uh, just you know, let you know, <laughs> you do put hashtag relatable. You are evil. Your hashtag evil. The thing is, this is crept into Christian culture too. Send your hate mail to him. <laughs> I'll take it all because I'm getting tired of it. And I think it's 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 hurting a lot of people. But yeah. like I said, this is creeping in Christian culture too. It's, oh, it's all right. So you don't, you know, do anything to follow God and become a new creation. No. Oh, well, no, no, absolutely not. Uh, as Rich Mullins or someone close to him coined, he repeated it. God loves you, not as you should, uh, God loves you as you are, not as you should be. But that shouldn't stop us from trying to be who we should yeah. be. And that mm. happens out of love. So anyway, those are my blessings. Uh -huh. Joseph. Cool. All right. I will try to run through mine fairly quickly. Um, this is a pretty this is a pretty simple one. I'm going to, if we're talking about the um, per, sort of one of the perfect unities in our modern culture of someone who is relatable to a great deal of many of people, but then also inspires it to be better, I'm going to do the first two Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. 
just because right. like mm. Spider-Man was created as one of the most relatable superheroes because he had ordinary problems everybody else did. But again, yeah. the message throughout all those movies is you have a responsibility to be better. And you do see, at least for the first two movies, a steady arc of him becoming a better person and learning new things, become a better person than he was before. One of the things I would say I didn't like, don't really like about the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies is that they do end up seeming like he regresses um, throughout mm. the movies or at least never quite becomes a better person. Even when he says, oh, I'm going to mature now. It's like, well, no, not you're not actually going to do that. Um, I'm also going to bless the... Um, Jerry Seinfeld uh, stand-up special, uh, 23 Hours to Kill, because he is he overcame the celebrity need to say that I'm relatable in <laughs> all his specials. He actually goes and he says, yeah, um, my life is not like your life. I am <laughs> so rich and so famous. And that's okay. And that doesn't make you bad. And it doesn't make me bad. It just means that there's aspects of our lives that are different and aspects you can't relate to and I can't relate to. And that's okay. And I was like, you know, that's authenticity and I respect that. And I can mm. still find him funny and unfunny, just the same yeah. uh, regardless. That's um, never more viscerally understood about Jerry Seinfeld than the reality that he lives a few blocks from us in like a penthouse multi-million dollar yeah. apartment in a, um, uh, on the park. And we live just a few blocks away in a teeny, teeny, tiny little hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Welcome yeah. to New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Welcome to New York. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will also bless um, uh, screw tape letters, which mm. um, particularly for the afterward section, if you can get one, which is, you know, um, like, uh, uh, what was it? Something re it's like regained, you know, it's, it's the, the essay at the end of it, because there um, Uncle Screwtape gives a, a, a big speech. And one of the things he talked about deeply in there is he says, one of the negative spirits of the modern age is the, the claim, I am as good as you. And everyone claims that the, he says the, he says equality is good. And he says, well, the quality is of the enemy and the enemy is God. He says, but mm. the, the need to feel like you're everybody's, every is equal in every way. If you say anybody who says to somebody else, I am as good as you does not believe it. Mm. He says, you know, a person who thinks that they're equal or better doesn't say to somebody else, you know, you think you're so much better than me or I'm, you don't, says there's, there's a deep insecurity in the modern age that they talks yeah. about that sort of, so that's, there's a lot of great satire in there about demons sort of talking to each other, how they tempt people and people know the first part of it. But the second part, I think is a really good deconstruction of the things we're talking about. Um, great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to curse a sort of along Keely's lines. I'm going to curse a really bad, you know, movie from the late nineties, early two thousands called clock stoppers. You may not have heard of it and that's great if you haven't, but it is about <laughs> to these kids that get a time travel device and they use it in really irresponsible ways before sort of eventually um, being responsible for it. And I just think it's indicative of a lot of, especially like late nineties, early two thousands kind of movies that um, were about making sort of relatable kids and relatable protagonists um, that really what that meant was they're bad people but they still get everything they want. And, mm -hmm. and I, I think that that's really toxic. I mean, you know, again, that's in Seth Rogen's entire career, you know. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, Fire. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're right. Actually, that would have been a good one yeah. to um, Knocked Up, which yeah. is, I'm a terrible yeah. I'm a nobody, man-child. Man -child. Yeah. And what? yet still, <laughs> Catherine Heigl. And, and another, yes. movie, yeah. another movie, it's Amber Heard before we knew everything bad about her. It's like, okay, so you're just cast, like this is, this is this is what you're talking about that in your movie. It's not real, and yet it is in 
in creating us in that I'm I'm awful and that's it's good about me and it you know entitles me to everything. And so you, um, Nathan, you curse a hashtag. I will just curse BuzzFeed. Um, <laughs> since we're spending every, every millennial has just screamed. Yes. They, they come, it. come, <laughs> give me your thing. name. I don't think I think we all read BuzzFeed, but I don't think anyone likes it. I don't know. <laughs> I well, think so that was a pretty safe curse. Maybe. <laughs> here's the thing about BuzzFeed, and I will, I will, I don't mind their quizzes, and I don't mind liking various things. What I really don't like, especially, is when they try to traffic themselves as a serious like news outlet or things like that. But their only, their only claim to credibility is the fact that they're relatable, and mm. that's what they traffic. Mm. You can trust me because I'm just like you, not because I have a proven track record, not because I'm actually yeah. saying anything of value. It's that their only street cred that they pitch is that they're relatable and that that's worthy of, they're worthy of trust because of that. And it's fine if they're just doing quizzes and, oh, did you see this TV show? And like things like that. But they have, they do start to try to actually traffic themselves as a serious and credible source. And that's, that's that you don't get that from relatability. Relatability does true. They are also, I'd say, one of the purveyors of the relatability uh, ethical. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Push that. They, they will praise people for being relatable. Yeah. And they will basically do hit pieces on people who aren't relatable enough. Yeah. Which yeah. is really interesting. I mean, you'll even watch with Kim Kardashian. They will rip her apart when she does something that's not relatable. But as yeah. soon as she does something fairly relatable, like yeah. she ate at McDonald's, they'll be like, oh, she's the greatest ever. I was like, yeah. that's not yeah. a good barometer by which to judge. Yes. <laughs> it's not virtue. Right. Um, yes. So, yeah. So, BuzzFeed really is sort of that one of the big purveyors of, uh, of uh, relatability as virtue or toxic relatability. So, yeah, it cursed. All right. So, all right. Well, this is where we lost, like, you know, <laughs> a few hundred subscribers and downloads but that's okay we have integrity and authenticity uh, <laughs> um we're not relatable we're not related yeah exactly. <laughs> get out of here <laughs> um all right well cool well anyway uh thank you so much for joining us today kelia so you just we just talked at the beginning you just started a new podcast and you're you've got Good. so many things going on so where what would you like uh people to see you on and where if people want to get in touch with you and see more of your content where should they go yeah, well, you can connect with me personally on Instagram at Keely Clarkson. Um, you can always check out Wallflower Journalist, the online women's magazine that I started earlier this year at wallflowerjournal.com. We have relationship articles, recipes, and opinion pieces, and it's a space that I have uh, cultivated that I hope will bring beauty and gentleness to women's everyday lives. And as far as my podcast goes, I did just launch it last month called Ooh. Dear Wallflower. Yeah. And it's been really exciting. I've, I've had a lot of wonderful, um, you know, reactions to it. So it's been very exciting. And essentially, you know, women can send in a letter of something that they've been struggling with and we will do our best, my co-host and I, to offer some insight. And it's just a whole lot of fun. And we also just offer some um, recommendations on books and, and beauty and movies and just everything that we've been enjoying that week. And it's just so much fun. So I hope you guys will check it out and hang out with us. And don't worry, it is totally unrelatable. <laughs> <laughs> but it is yeah. authentic. Yes, exactly. It is authentic. Yeah. But if you want relatability, mm, go to Buzz. Go somewhere else. <laughs> 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 
buzz off the BuzzFeed. <laughs> On that note, um, you can find me at NathanClarkson.me and search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. You can find me on any of the socials as well. Just uh, look Joseph Holmes or normal guy. Don't ask. Um, or, and I, tell me <laughs> <laughs> later, uh, another episode. Um, then, uh, and also you can find me, uh, at josephholmstudios.com, my website. You can find my work there. And you also can find a lot of my articles, my film criticism of various things, at relig- uh, religion, Thank you so much everyone for being on this episode and thank you everyone for joining us. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about.